We're going to be continuing with the series in John this morning, and we've got to the part 30, which is the second half of Jesus' trial. The first part was trial by the Jewish leaders, and now it's the Roman trial before Pilate. And it's John 18, 28 to, through to 19, 16. And my goal today is to read the story of Pilate closely and see how directly relevant it is to us. So the plan for today is, first of all, look at the storyline, which is formed by seven conversations. Then we're going to walk with Pilate through this story. He's the common factor through every part of this story. And then we're going to ask, how do we respond to a similar challenge to Pilate's? So, quick overview, structure of John. It falls into two halves. The first 12 chapters we call the Book of Signs, where Jesus is doing his public ministry, uh, teaching, and the, the, uh, the, the miracles are being done during that time. And then 13 through 21 is four chapters of time alone with his disciples. And then we have, um, with new teaching, that's 14, 15, 16, and 17. And then 18 through 20 is his arrest, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And These are bracketed by a meal in chapter 13 and a meal in chapter 21. So right now, then, we're in the arrest, crucifixion, resurrection block, and it's the second part of the arrest. Well, it's the trial, actually. So, uh, just a quick recap of what we did last time. We looked at John 18, and this was when he was brought before... Well, when he was arrested, he was betrayed and he was arrested. And um, some points we had from that is the sequence is he's betrayed, he's arrested, he's abandoned, he's denied, and he's abused. And as we read the story, we can't fail to be reminded of injustice and abuse in the world today. What we're seeing and what we're hearing on the news today. We can't fail to notice that connection. But we mustn't just read the story through the lens of current events because God has spoken to us and we have to hear what he's saying on his on its own terms to start with. And then we can ask what it says about world events. And one of the conclusions we got was that the disciples should have stood up against the injustice done to Jesus even if it had cost their lives. So we should not be passive in the face of injustice. But the main message, the main takeaway, the main thing that came out of the last time is just appreciating what it was like for Jesus to love at this moment. Jesus was there in this intimate place in the garden where one of his closest people, disciples, came and betrayed him. And then... Uh, the, his followers left him, his disciples left him, one of them betrayed him in a, in a terrible way, and then the people that he came, the nation that he came to give his life for, was turning against him in every way. And so the run-up to Jesus' crucifixion 
wasn't just a display of love from the people he was going to die for, but actually hostility and abandonment. And it's at this point he gives his life. Uh, And the core of following Jesus is to love our enemies. The core of following Jesus is not to love the people it's easy to love, but to love those whom it's hard to love. And so I suggested you go into a quiet place and ask Jesus what it was like for him at this point and ask him to bring to your mind how his love could flow out of you in your life situation right now. So that was a takeaway from last time. And um, I want to move on then to look at the storyline for today. And I want to look at these seven conversations. So we're going to read the passage in a minute, but I want to give you some things to notice when we read it. And if you read it again and again and again, as, as I've done, and printed it out and highlighted it and read it and highlighted it, things begin to emerge. And one of the things you notice is, it's like stage directions. Pilate came out of his residence, and Pilate went back into his residence, and there were seven times Pilate moves in and out, which are markers for the story. For Because when he's out, he's talking to the Jews, and when he's in, he's talking to Jesus. And so we get, Pilate comes out and talks to the Jewish leaders. Pilate goes in and questions Jesus. Pilate comes out and talks to the Jewish leaders. And then we have a middle section where Jesus is flogged and mocked by soldiers. And then Pilate comes out and talks to the Jewish leaders. Pilate goes in and questions Jesus. And then finally he comes out again. And so the, the structure is very, very clear. John's laid out these very clear indicators for us of, that, that, that really, really clearly and neatly mark the, the development of the, the storyline. And we're going to see, actually, this is going to be key to understanding how we should apply it to ourselves. <clears throat> so if I want to dig a little deeper in these seven steps and say, you know, what's happening? We see something else remarkably symmetrical. So, the conversations. The first one is leaders demand Jesus' execution. They they, um, begin this whole process while they're outside demanding his execution. And then Pilate questions Jesus about being a king. And then Pilate comes out again and says, I find no fault in him. And then we have the central section where he's flogged and mocked by the soldiers. Then, C prime, Jesus comes out and says, I, sorry, Pilate comes out and says, I find no fault. And then he goes in and questions Jesus this time about being God. And then finally, the leaders are granted Jesus' execution. So, there's a lot of symmetry in here. Everything matches, and it's going to be useful to see that. We'll see that um, the four times that Pilate comes out, each time he makes some sort of release attempt, and I'm just going to summarize them here. We'll see them in detail in a minute. But first time, he says, why are you bothering me? Judge him yourself. That's the first one. And of course, they couldn't put him to death themselves. The second was, I can free him or Barabbas. That didn't work. Then, I flogged, humiliated him. How weak and pathetic he is, it's not a threat. That didn't work. And then finally, why would you want your king crucified? And that didn't work. Those are four release attempts. 
So that's our, an overview um, of uh, the storyline of where we're going. And we're now going to walk with Pilate through this story. We're going to go through in detail, looking at what's happening in the story. And then we'll ask how we're to respond to it. So I've, as usual, I've colour-coded everything and I, I'm going to explain to you in advance that um, Pilate, I've highlighted him in, with a yellow highlighter and then um, Jesus is in green, the Jewish leaders are in red and then I've inverted the, 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 the black and white for the movement in and out. So, let's have a look at this passage. And we're starting in, in John chapter 18 and verse 28. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the Roman governor's residence. It was now very early morning. They did not enter the governor's residence, so they would not be ceremonially defiled, but could eat the Passover meal. And it's interesting, I've highlighted that in, in, in turquoise there, because that little time marker... And the reference to the feast actually marks the end of the whole thing. If I scroll down, you'll see it ends by saying, now it was about noon and it was the day it was mentioned to the Passover. So um, just one little comment about the Passover. This was during the Passover because Jesus was crucified at the end of the Passover week. So this would have been the Friday. Saturday would have been the Sabbath. Um, so notice that they wouldn't enter the governor's residence because they didn't want to be ceremonially defiled. What irony there. They're going to do the wickedest thing. They're going to, they're going to sell out and murder the, the Prince of Peace. And yet they're worried about breaking a law which isn't even in the Old Testament. It's a law they've added themselves about... You know, not being able to go into a Gentile's home and therefore not being able to celebrate the Passover. And this is just horrific that, you know, that they are more concerned about some pedantic uh, bit of legalism they've invented themselves than this horrific crime of, of hate and injustice that they're about to commit. So, Pilate came outside to them. And you have the first of these transitions. And uh, then we have, uh, he said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They replied, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have handed him over to you. <laughs> what kind of answer is that? Well, they had already, m must have contacted him to get the Roman guards that they used to arrest him with. So there must have been some conversation beforehand. But, uh, this is their replies highlighting the injustice and the fact there's no substance to any of their accusations. Pilate told them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jewish leaders replied, we cannot legally put anyone to death. And then there's a note John puts in, this happened to fulfill the word Jesus had spoken when he'd indicated what kind of death he was going to die. In other words, um, this is not an accident. John is reminding us, plans haven't gone wrong here. This is totally according to plan. But um, you can see Pilate, um, to start with, thinks, you know, I can just tell them, oh, go away and judge him. But they say, no, it's a capital offence. And technically, that was reserved for the Romans to, to do capital punishment. 
the Jews didn't have the authority to do that. And they're saying, no, this, this is going to require death. You have to do it. Um, although, of course, we know that even though that was the law, they would still try and stone people to death if they wanted to. So, uh, but they wanted him crucified. They wanted this public, so they needed Pilate for that. So that's the first conversation. And then we have uh, the second one. Pilate goes in and questions Jesus about being a king. So this must have come up before. So Pilate went back into the governor's residence and summoned Jesus and asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, Are you saying this on your own initiative or have others told you about me? Now this is very interesting because what's happening here is that Jesus is really asking, like, are you actually interested in this? Um, is, are you, is there something in your heart here? And the extraordinary thing about this story is that Jesus is actually evangelizing Pilate and giving him a chance at this point. Amazing, but he is. And so he's like saying, is there anything that's going on there in you about me being a king? Uh, Pilate kind of dismisses this. Am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my servants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Now this, I need to comment on this before we go on, because there have been some misunderstandings in church history. Jesus doesn't say, my kingdom is not here, or not relevant to here, it's just, it's from above, but it is here, it's present on this earth. And there's been some misunderstandings about, that have led to an extreme form of pacifism. Um, When we first came to Canada, we did a trip to St. Jacob's, and um, they've got a little movie theatre there where they showed us the history of the Mennonites that led to them coming from Europe to, to Canada. And uh, I was quite surprised because I didn't know this, but uh, they were quite extreme um, pacifists. And in this movie they showed us there was a, a, a situation where the, the men would not lift a finger to protect their wives and children because they thought that, you know, that was wrong to take any... That was force and violence and you shouldn't do that. And so evil men in nearby towns came and had their way with all the women and, and girls in, this, in this, this city with the Mennonites. And the men didn't lift a finger to protect them because they thought this is what following Jesus was about. And this is what them, their own movie told us. And they, the only recourse they had was to actually leave. And they picked up and they came to Canada where they wouldn't be, be uh, uh, treated in this way. And so this is, a, a, this is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, Jesus told them later that when they traveled, they should have a sword with them. You know, it's not wrong to defend yourself against violence. You know, there was, there was no security forces at that time that would protect you. And it's not wrong to defend your own, you know, the people who are dependent on you. Um, and so what Jesus is saying here is the kingdom is not to be advanced by force. And unfortunately, that mistake has been made in church history. You know, people have forcibly converted to Christianity, you know, whole nations, and they forced the gospel on people. And um, uh, the, um, I remember a story of one Viking king who was a, 
the, 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 the Saxons were fighting him, and he, the Saxons were, 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 were Christian, and they, um, they won the battle, and then they, you know, they forced him to accept Jesus um, at the point of a sword. And, you know, this was, this is, you know, this is 2,000 years, not 2,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago. So, um, uh, you know, there's a long history of people um, trying to advance the kingdom by the sword, and Jesus, well, this is what Jesus is saying. This is the point he's making here. He's not saying Christians should never, in their, they should never seek justice by physical means. Um, so, apart, anyway, so so this is this discussion then about Jesus being a king. So when Jesus talks about his kingdom not being from this world, Pilate jumps on that and says, "Ah, caught you! You are a king. If you've got a kingdom, you're a king." And Jesus replied. You say that I'm a king. <clears throat> and the way this is worded, actually, it's like, um, <clears throat> yeah, you're right in saying I'm a king. It's, it's like an acknowledgement, but it's in your words. For this reason, I was born, and for this reason, I came into the world. And the reason is to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate doesn't want to go there. <laughs> what is truth? He says. I'm not. I'm not in for philosophical discussions at this point. Uh, you know, this is getting a bit too much for me. Um, but his statement actually echoes what we call postmodernism nowadays, which is the idea that um, there is no such thing as objective truth. There's your truth and there's my truth. But you can't say one truth is right and another truth is wrong. Um, and the trouble with that idea, it can sound you know, in intellectually very accepting. The trouble is, it erases any idea of right or wrong. Because you can't tell anybody they've done anything wrong, because they can say, well, in my truth, that is right. There's nothing wrong with that in my truth. And so it's actually um, a horrific, um, unworkable set of principles. The only workable thing is if there is a source of truth, a source of what is right or wrong. How can I say it's right to do this? It's wrong. This is just. This is unjust. How can I do that unless there's a standard? And Jesus says, I am the standard. That is incredible. That is amazing. Jesus says he is the standard of truth. And this is going to be a point we're going to come back to later. But the key idea I want you to see here is that um, there's an interchange going on between Pilate and Jesus, which is quite subtle because... Pilate has some interest until it gets a bit much for him um, and it begins to involve him. Because if he's just determining is Jesus claiming to be a king or not, that's fine. But if, he's just say, if Jesus is saying, I am the source of truth, mm, that makes, could make some demands on Pilate and he feels threatened by that and he drops it. But he's not rejecting what Jesus is saying completely here, because at this point, he's decided that Jesus is innocent. So, what happens then is that he comes out uh, to the Jewish leaders, and this is the second time he comes out, and he says, I find no fault. When he had said this, he went back outside to the Jewish leaders and announced, I find no basis for an accusation against him. But, and so he comes up with an idea. 
So this is his second idea for how to get Jesus off. But it is your custom that I release one prisoner for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, no, not this man, but Barabbas. And Barabbas was um, an insurrectionist who'd been uh, shortly before that captured and condemned to death, we understand. Um, And so... Pilate's a bit perplexed here because, like, usually, if he's their king, you would expect him to be supported by them. But they don't. And so his, his idea falls flat on its face. So then he goes back in again. And we have the central part here where Jesus is flogged. And I'll read it. It's chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers braided a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they clothed him in a purple robe. They came up to to him again and again and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him repeatedly in the face. And I think that last part is pointed out because Jesus is going to look a blooded mess by the end of this. He may be virtually irrecognisable. He's just going to be so obviously um, brutalised at this point. And you might say, well, what, you know, is Pilate, why is Pilate doing this? Well, Pilate is trying to score a point, I think, partly here, and uh, he wants to, to, to get out of the situation. So what happens? Well, the plan is that when he comes out, he'll show them Jesus, and they'll see what a mess Jesus is in, and that will kind of appease them. They say, okay, he's fine. You know, we don't need anything more done to him. That was sufficient. And so we read, Again Pilate went out, and he said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you, so that you may know that I find no reason for an accusation against him. Now, like, this is the injustice of it, that he's been flogged, and there's nothing, there's no, nothing against him. This just horrific, the way this justice is working here. So Jesus came outside wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, to them, look, here is the man. In other words, just like look at him in his humanity, in his like weakness. You worried about him? When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they shouted out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said, you take him and crucify him. Certainly, I find no reason for an accusation against him. Well, of course, they couldn't do that legally. The Jewish leaders replied, we have a law. And according to our law, he ought to die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard what they said, he was more afraid than ever. Why was he afraid? What's he afraid of here? Well, it turns out that Pilate has got some fear building on both sides. As we'll see, there's a contest going on within Pilate, um, which is the scariest solution. And suddenly, a scare has come up on this side. Claims to be the son of God. 
Now, Pilate wouldn't have had a concept of a single deity with a son. But nevertheless, he would believe in all kinds of divine powers and would be, and here, like, they would have the concept of like a, like a God appearing on earth and like, here's this kind of God man. And they would, they would, within their, their pagan system, they would have that concept. And this such a person could be very dangerous. So he thinks, oh dear, I knew there was something odd about this Jesus. Maybe this is, I've got to be careful. So, and he went back to the governor's residence, into the governor's residence, and said to Jesus, where do you come from? In other words, like, like what's, what's your origin? What's going on here? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know? I have the authority to release you and to crucify you. And he's, he's kind of uh, angry. I would guess that Jesus is ignoring him. And then Jesus said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of greater sin. Somehow, we don't know if it was the way Jesus said this, or resonated with him, or something happened, but this terrified Pilate, because he realized he was dealing with something more powerful. And Jesus is actually being very gracious to him here. Uh, It's actually quite interesting that Jesus is being more straightforward with Pilate than he, he is with the Jewish leaders or any of the, any of the outside people apart from his own disciples. Partly because at this point it's, he's going to be killed anyway. But he's very clear with Pilate about, he's not giving metaphors about the truth. He's speaking directly. And it seems that this increases the tension within Pilate because it says from this point on, Pilate tried to release him. Why? Because he was scared, I believe. We go back to the, uh, the last section. It ends with saying, when Pilate heard that what they said, he was more afraid than ever. So I think he's scared now. The trouble is, he's scared on both sides. He's scared of Jesus. He's also scared of these Jewish leaders. So we're coming back to the end of this now, the last section, which matches the first one where they demand his crucifixion. But the Jewish leader shouted out, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who claims to be a, be a king opposes Caesar. Now this turns out to be their trump card. They shouted this from the outside, you know, Pilate heard this inside. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat down on the judgment seat in the place called the stone pavement, Gabbatha in Aramaic. And then it says this, it was the day of preparation during Passover about noon. So he's giving us a time span of how long this took. This actually took quite a while, a couple of hours, three hours maybe, for this whole process to take place. It's job to give precise time because in those days they didn't like, use, they didn't have watches, they didn't say time precisely. But John's trying to say just this took a few hours to happen, this whole thing we've been through. Um, 
So what's, what's happening here, this thing about Caesar? Well, Caesar at that time was a bit paranoid. And there had been some cases where people had managed to get rid of leaders by making complaints against them, and Caesar, would in, is paranoid, would, would kill the leader. And so this was a real threat that Pilate's position could have been destabilised. And he gets it. Pilate said to the Jewish leaders, and this is his last attempt, look, here is your king. And it's kind of like, what are you going to do? Then they shouted, away with him, away with him, crucify him. So Pilate asked, shall I crucify your king? Like in a mocking way, you know, I'll crucify your king. That's all, you know, all you've got, this pathetic person. The high priest replied, we have no king except Caesar. Now that, of course, directly contradicts the, you know, the, the, what God had told them you know, in the Bible, in the Old Testament. This was a, a wrong thing to say. Um, uh, but they're saying this for political effect, and it works. Then Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So this is the story. And we're going to go back now to our theme. I remind you of our plan, going through the storyline, the seven conversations which we did. And we've just walked with Pilate through the story. And now our last point is, how do we respond to a similar challenge to Pilate's? So I want to ask to start with, as we asked last time, what was it like for Jesus walking through this experience? And uh, he's been betrayed, he's been abandoned, he's been denied, he's been abused by the very people he was going to lay down his life for. And now he is in this worse situation and the trouble is, he knows what's going to be happening. Uh, sometimes it's far worse to know things before they happen. You know, he knows he's going to get flogged. And he knows that a short time after that, he's going to be taken to die. And this is a set of steps that he knows is going to happen. What's that like for him? This, to walk through this, and yet even to show some compassion to Pilate, is quite extraordinary. Um, and now these people that he's going to die for, this, this nation, this Jewish nation, their leaders are trying to manipulate the government to commit brutal injustice and murder. But Jesus even offers truth to Pilate. So I want you to see Jesus in this, this incredibly horrific situation, staying absolutely fast to his commitment to love his enemies. So go back to my main thesis, is by taking us in and out seven times with Pilate, the passengers is forcing us to walk in Pilate's shoes. He's caught between two forces, two choices. The passage makes us think about the pressures in our own lives when making choices. And this is what I want us to end by thinking about. And so my last slide here is the takeaway from this. And I want to say there is always a risk in standing with Jesus. And 
this risk could be different depending on our situation. But standing with Jesus is always going to be a risk. And there's always going to be pressure. Do I stand with Jesus or do I go in, give in to the other fear? It might be deciding to follow Jesus the first time. It might be deciding that you're going to become a Christian. Because there's a risk. You know, Is Jesus real? Is he the truth? Am I going to give up? my own agenda for Jesus. And that is a choice that Pilate didn't make, but we are all forced to make if we're confronted with the gospel. It might be simply identifying yourself as a Christian, maybe in a social situation or in a work situation or some other time. Identifying yourself as a Christian, will people reject you or mock you? What is the situation uh, that you're in? Is Jesus your king? Is Jesus your truth? Um, just uh, a couple of stories. I was once working for an organization where the, um, the, the, the organization was run by an abusive narcissist. And uh, it would have been very easy to feed his narcissism and just, uh, and then life would have been comfortable for me as an employee. But I decided. Uh, to be a whistleblower in this organization. And uh, I lost my job in the short term. Um, I did get it back when eventually he was fired. Um, But um, it took a toll on my health and was incredibly stressful in my life at this time. But I can still remember the moment of decision when I saw, uh, when I made a decision that I was actually going to step out against him. And what happened was, I saw him, um, that he was, uh, the way he was treating a homeless woman who had a mental illness problem. And I thought, I, if I'm a Christian, if I'm following Jesus, I have to act now. And I actually took a photograph without him realizing what I was doing. I took a photograph of what he was doing. And I, I showed that photograph to the, the company, company directors and, uh, and said, what are you going to do about it? And that led to the, the situation. And in time he was fired, but it was a horrible journey. Yeah, I know I was doing the right thing at the time. And so this is this, is, this tension, like this fear that's building up, like what should I do? Both ways, this is so. This is going to be so painful. But on the other hand, not every decision is like that. Some are much simpler than that. But like the, what we're going to lose is maybe some possible embarrassment. Um, like I was um, at a checkout in No Frills, and the um, this was this was recently, and you know, everybody was spaced, and uh, the woman in front of me was causing a horrible amount of hassle for the the checkout person. And it was just like, it was just, I could see that she was being driven crazy. And so when I came up, um, I had a choice. You know, I could could just stay in my comfort zone and do what I wanted to do. Um, Or what I decided to do, I said um, to her something like, it must be so hard for you when people treat you like that. And it was like somebody saw me. Oh, she said, thank you. Thank you for, for, for seeing what it's like for me. Um, and she's told me a little bit about you know, what had gone on in that time. And, and so thank you. And um, I'd taken a risk in doing that. But she was so thankful that somebody had seen that and stood up. 
for that. So that's just something very little. Um, it might be. Um, uh, it might be something, again, it might be something different. It might be a temptation in your life that you keep falling into sin in some way and you have to make a choice. Am I going to fall into that sin repeatedly or am I going to, to take Jesus as my king? If Jesus is your king, then you do his will. You obey him. And that is the choice that you have to make. Is he going to be your king? It may be that it's not so much a, a sin that you're doing, but you're just being half-hearted in your Christian life. And Jesus is challenging you to do more. He's challenging you to step in to something more. And the question is, are, is he your king? Because this is what he said to Pilate. I'm the truth. This is the reason I came to the world, that I'm the truth. Are you going to accept that? Or are you going to accept the choice of comfort and safety, which is the choice that Pilate made? So I want to say... Um, and what do you want to, to ask you to pray? What do you want me to be doing right now, Jesus? Because um, if he is your Lord, then you need to ask him what you should be doing. And generally speaking, my experience is, I mean, I ask, I ask him this question myself. And very often, I actually know what I should be doing. But when he says it, like I, I go and do it. Um, but um, this needs to be, I think, a more of a conscious choice for us. To be, uh, and if I want to leave you with one thing this week, it's to leave you with the fact that this is an ongoing choice. You are constantly front, confronted with the pressure, the tension of the world of, am I going to stay in comfort or am I going to take a risk? And the call of Jesus to be your king, to be your truth. And you're, this is the walk that Pilate failed, that this passage is calling you to do. Are you going to walk with Jesus in his truth today. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us. And you didn't just die, but you demonstrated a life as an example for us, walking in the truth, walking in love and loving your enemies. Please help us to follow you and show each of us what this looks like in our lives right now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.